John chapter 21. Turn to John chapter 21 today. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite episodes in all of Scripture, which I think I feel like I say that every week, um, especially in this series, Life at the Lake, where we're examining different stuff that happens around the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is a huge lake on top of Israel. It is where a lot of Jesus' ministry actually occurs, where his big miracles, his big teachings, uh, the most famous sermon ever happens, the Sermon on the Mount happens up there. Um, Some of the most intimate and personal things happen at the Sea of Galilee as well. You have, in one sense, the feeding of the 5,000, these huge, miraculous things happening, but Jesus also does his most intimate teaching at the Sea of Galilee as well. So today we're going to look at one of the more intimate occurrences that happen uh, in John chapter 21. This is the restoration of Peter. Peter has done some silly things. He has sinned against Jesus. He has denied Jesus three times. This is after Jesus has died on the cross and been resurrected. So we are in the final times of Jesus kind of doing his appearing uh, after he has been resurrected, before the Holy Spirit has come. So we are we are closing in on the very final teaching moments of Christ. So that's kind of setting the stage for you here. But what we're talking about is this restoration of Peter. Peter being brought back into the fold, if you will. Being brought back and said, you are not too broken, Peter. You are not too far gone. Even though he thinks it. Peter is broken on the inside. He doesn't know how he can ever be good enough to to really be around Jesus anymore. He has denied his best friend, his teacher, his rabbi three times in the moment when Jesus needed him the most. And so with that guilt and with that kind of heaviness on Peter's shoulders, that's the stage of John chapter 21 when Peter comes back to Jesus and Jesus restores him. And many of the different things I think in our lives, we think we are too far gone. We've broken too much. Our our stuff is too rusty or messy or we've got too many things out of whack that we can't actually be restored. And so for us today, I really want to center in on that idea. And we're going to use some multimedia stuff today to kind of show that. But this idea of something that is old, something that is broken, something that is not useful can be made new and useful uh, again. This is really the essence of the gospel. Something that has been broken, Christ can renew and restore. Restoration means broken things Sorry, restoration means making broken things beautiful. Restoration means making broken things beautiful, making them useful, making them whole again. Restoration means making broken things beautiful. I've got a few things. If you've ever watched the show American Restoration, uh, or a, there's a TV show uh, called Rehab Addict, it's where this uh, funny woman... Uh, takes on these these crazy houses in Detroit and Minneapolis, I think. I mean, they're dilapidated. She buys them for like a dollar and then spends hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to restore them. It's a really neat thing that she does and makes these old craftsmen, beautiful Victorian homes come back to life. And when I watched that show, 
through my pastor, through my Christian eyes, I see John chapter 21. I see something that is old, something that has been made beautiful, something that is glorious, that, that it can be made beautiful again, find its glory again. And so as you watch those shows, maybe just every once in a while think about it. Um, there was a show, um, American Restoration, that shop apparently got fired. I was looking for some videos, and History Channel made some changes, and you can't find those videos anymore. But it was really cool. You'd find old pinball machines or old Coke machines or old uh, whatever, and it was just a pile of rust. Like, you couldn't see original paint anywhere. It's just rust. And out comes this beautiful, gorgeous thing. Got a few pictures for you. I want up on the screen now to show you kind of what we're talking about. Right? A Coke machine like this. I mean, this wasn't too bad. I wouldn't be upset having that in my, my garage, right? But that's just beautiful. And the next picture. You know, this 57 Chevy Bel Air, uh, that is just, mm. if you're wondering what to get Jared for Pastor Appreciation Month, go with the one on the, this side. Uh, so uh, uh, I, that's, just, that's just gorgeous, isn't it? It's beautiful. And you, over and over again, you get to see these just dramatic changes, something that you thought is covered in cake and ugh, and made beautiful again. Some of you guys have these cars out in your garage right now, right? You have a project. You have stuff. I got a neighbor. He's got a, I think, a 72 Chevelle in his garage. And every time I drive by, I'm like, it's been in the same state of repair since I moved in three years ago. And I just, I want to see it. It's got one beautiful quarter panel that's been redone. Like, I think, like, you know, the tax returns have not been good to him the last five years or whatever. But, like, every once in a while, you get this, you get this movement. And you see this glorious, beautiful 1972 black Chevelle, like, get a new part on it. And then all of a sudden, he'll be out in the driveway, and the whole thing's taken apart again. And then, like, the next day, it's put back together. And that, that one-quarter panel's still pretty, but everything else, not so much. You know, it's, it's, it keeps on happening. It keeps on happening. Some of you wives right now are going, mm-hmm, I know that story. I don't like that story. Uh, I live it. Um, but it, it happens. But sometimes of us, we, we think about the stuff maybe in our garage. We have these old things. We have these broken things that we know if we just put enough time into it, it could have new life again. See, this is, this is these objects in, in your garage. If you, if you pop that into your mind, this is kind of how our heart is. God speaks restoration into us. This is what he does. He takes our old, junky, messy things And the song that we just sang is called Beautiful Exchange. He has this beautiful exchange where he takes our old mess and goes, and turns us into something beautiful, useful, purposeful again. We're going to watch a video um, about this, a very reflective video about Peter's restoration here in uh, a minute. I just want you to kind of think about where you're at on your own personal journey, your own personal walk, your own personal journey. frustrations in life, dealings in life, the stuff you've been through, the stuff you're going through, and how God can restore you. You can't be worse than Peter. Peter denies Christ as he's being beaten, arrested, and crucified. Peter is denying him. You can't get more far gone than him. And this is about the restoration of Peter. One of my favorite stories uh, in the Bible happens after Jesus has died and been resurrected. And he meets the disciples at two of my favorite things. He meets them at the lake and he meets them 
at a fire. Specifically, he meets Peter at a fire. What's been going on is Peter has denied Christ three times during the suffering of Jesus, through the torture of Jesus. Peter denies him three times, and Peter's carrying this guilt, this guilt of, I denied my best friend. I I abandoned my best friend in the moment he was being beaten. I've denied my best friend when he needed me the most. And you can imagine the weight that Peter was holding on his shoulders through that. Well, in this time after Jesus has gone up to heaven, the disciples return to what they know. And what Peter knows is fishing. And what a bunch of the other guys knows are the fishing. And, you know, honestly, when life's not going very good, this place, this lake... It's been good to me. It's been good to my soul. So I think I can sympathize with Peter at at the lake. He's running away to go fishing with his buddies. To think, what do I do now? Where do I go now? I I sold my my fishing business. I, I left my whole life. And when the rubber hit the road, I abandoned what I was supposed to be living for. And at that fire, Peter recognizes Jesus. There's a fire off in the distance and and Peter goes, hmm, that looks suspicious. And the stranger at the fire says, hey guys, throw your nets on the other side. And immediately Peter knows that's gotta be Jesus. So Peter, without thinking, is in the middle of the lake from a far way off, and they can see this guy cooking at a a fire, and he hears Jesus say these words, and he jumps off the boat and swims in, leaving the rest of the guys in the middle of the boat without probably their biggest, strongest guy. It wasn't really the most well-thought-out plan of Peter's. But you can imagine him just tearing through the water, racing towards Jesus and he he gets out of the water sopping wet beard just dripping with the sea of Galilee and he embraces Jesus here at the fire and what would that moment be like where this best friend this this savior this king that he had pledged his life for he knows he betrayed him and Jesus at the fire Jesus at the lake says, Peter, do you love me? Peter's response is, of course I love you. Jesus says it a second time. Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, of course I love you. Jesus responds and feed my sheep. And a third time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds, Of course I love you. Jesus responds again, then feed my sheep. What Jesus is doing in this moment is he's restoring Peter. He's bringing new life to Peter over a fire at a lake. He's bringing all that guilt that has been weighing on Peter's shoulders. All that guilt and all that 
probably self-talk and that, that defeatist attitude of I'm good for nothing. I, I failed at my mission. God himself gave me a chance to serve him and what did I do with it? I just threw it away because I was scared. But Jesus restores him. And for me today, I, I think, what does that look like? And where in my life do I need to be restored? Where in my life do I think maybe, just maybe, I thought I, I missed my chance. I, I'm no longer good enough. I'm no longer valid. I'm no longer worthy of being used. The story is one of my favorites because... It says you can be used. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter the things that have happened to you, God can restore you and breathe new life into you. With a simple question, do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus asked this three times in John chapter 1. He says, when, verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked a third time, Do you love me, he said? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. It's one of these beautiful, symmetrical things that Jesus does. He, he knows Jesus, or Peter has denied him three times, and so he offset the three denials with three I love yous. Right? He brings it back into Order. He restores, not just kind of, but perfectly. As we, I want to give us kind of some steps on how do we step into restoration, because some of us have all been broken. Some of us are wondering where that spot where we're going, yeah, I got junk. I'm rusty. Things don't work the way they're supposed to emotionally or spiritually or even physically. I need restoration. So our first step today on our road back to restoration is this. Restoration requires acknowledging there is a problem. Restoration requires acknowledging there is a problem. All right? Now, this is perfectly, I'm going to pick on our, our, garage, our clutter in our garage a lot today, but it's figuring out, yes, that hunk of junk in our garage actually is a hunk of junk and it needs fixing. No, that's a collector's item. No, it's a pile of trash. Oh. We're never restoring anything. We're never stepping into it. We're never putting in the work or, or whatnot to fix the issue until we acknowledge that there actually is a issue. I think Peter's having a problem getting past this issue. He's, he's, having, a issue, he's having a problem 
realizing he needs to be restored or even that he can be restored. Because you see this John chapter 1 passage is the third time Peter has seen Jesus after the resurrection. This is the third time he's seen him. I don't know what Peter's doing in the rooms if he's just kind of sitting there going, hope he doesn't single me out. Hope that, don't look at me, I'm hiding. Can you see this big, huge fisherman guy? He's like the biggest guy in the room, the oldest guy in the room. And he's like, <laughs> you know. See, like Chewbacca trying to hide. Uh, you guys don't read the Bible that way? Huh? Hey, come on. Uh, but I see Peter kind of going through these motions. He's going through these times, and he's thinking, like, can I approach? But for some reason, somehow, out in the lake, out fishing all night long, Something clicks with Peter, and he says, I have got to get to Jesus. Restoration requires acknowledging that there is actually a problem. Knowing there's a problem and admitting we've got to get it fixed. Some of us in our lives, whether it's an anger issue or a, an addiction issue or whatever that may be for you, we look at our lives and go, oh, it's okay. I'm all right. I can get through this. When actuality, we need an overhaul. We need a restoration. Putting a Band-Aid on it. Having a good night's sleep is not taking care of the things. Our, Our spirit, our emotions are still broken. We need to be restored. Restoration requires acknowledging there is a problem. Secondly, restoration requires coming to Jesus. You can't get something fixed that you don't take to the one who fixes things, right? I had a unique experience with a, um, a car shop this past week. The guy wanted me to fix my own car. I've never had that happen before. I've always had people, oh, sure, I'll take your money. But he's like, no, no, you do it. What? Go online, buy the part here, you do it. No, I will break it, right? Me working on a car is not a good thing. I'm totally out of my expertise. I got to take my car, my vehicle to the one who can fix it. And when he tells you, maybe you need to go look for a new car, I have a problem, but that's okay. I've got to take my issue, I've got to take my brokenness to the one who can fix it. So often we try, we figure out... um, that we've got brokenness, that we've got issues, and we go somewhere else that can't actually fix it. We go to friends who don't have any more wisdom than we do. We go to a bar that we're not going to find the answers there. We're going to go deal with something and our issues at a different location or talk to them among our parents or our friends or our brothers or sisters. And guess what, gang? As wise as your mother may be, she is not the restorer of your heart or of your soul. Restoration requires coming to Jesus. We see Peter, when this clicks in his head, we see him with the desire to risk everything to be restored. And this desire is something I think we've got to have if we're going to fully participate and experience what God has for our lives. Because Peter jumps in the water and starts swimming. Now, there's no YMCA that teaches swim classes back in the day, right? In ancient 
times swimming and go, jumping in the water, that is not a thing you do. It's like, mm, right? If they had floaties, everyone would have had floaties on because water represented the unknown. It represented dangerous. It represented everything that we cannot control. Jumping in the water was like the boogeyman at night. That's how you treated it. People who swam were like, what's wrong with that person? Peter, knowing all of this, even being a fisherman, probably didn't know how to swim very well. You can imagine the Peter doggy style or whatever is going on here in the swim. And he's flailing along, beard dripping wet. He's like, ah, grown man, just trying not to drown in the Sea of Galilee. But he's got this desperation to be restored that he's willing to sacrifice. I might not even survive this swim, but I've got to get to Jesus. I think some of us, when it's time to restore, all we can think about is what we may have to give up. I like that rust spot on me. I don't want them to buff that out. I don't want, it, I don't want to be painted over on that. We think about what we have to give up, maybe what relationships we have to get up trying to get to Jesus. And it causes roadblocks. It causes us to stutter with it. Restoration requires coming to Jesus. Thirdly, restoration requires living renewed. We do this a lot, is that we can acknowledge there's a problem. God, I've got an anger issue. I need to bring that to you, okay? And then I, then I say, all right, all right. Jesus, I'm, I'm bringing it at your feet. I need you to take care of that issue. We're good? All right, good. Okay, and then we go from there, and then we come back next week. God, I got this anger issue. I'm coming to your feet, and I need this taken, taken over. That's not restoration. That's getting duct tape put on it. I look at watch a show like Deadliest Catch. And you see, you see this show, and Edgar is like my hero on there, right? Edgar can fix anything. He's a MacGyver in real life. You give him a paperclip, he can make the ship go around the world, right? It's amazing what he does. But at a certain point, things will blow up or catch on fire or do all kinds of things because you can only go so far on a shoestring in a prayer. And sometimes we're like that. We're just, we're just making that duct tape roll go around a little bit more. And, well, I hope, hope that lasts. I, I can't imagine being out in the middle of the Bering Sea with waves like 40 feet tall going, ah, the duct tape will save our lives. Like, go back to port. The crab aren't worth that. You guys are the only ones that think that. I don't know. It's in need of a complete restoration. And when we think about it, restoration requires living new. It means getting a new operating procedure. It means changing the way in which we think. I brought this uh, Coca-Cola cooler. And if you're a Pepsi fan, I apologize. This was my grandpa's. Um, and this is like what I got from my grandpa. Uh, so I have no idea how old it is. It's really cool, though. Um, I know Lisa Livingston would not appreciate this right now because it's not a PepsiCo. Uh, but whatever. Um, and I like the patina on it, right? I like the little rust spots. I like the nicks. They tell a story. I don't know what story they are. I wish I could have talked to Grandpa about it. Like, tell me all the, something stupid you did around this cooler sometime. You know, I, I wish I would have had those kind of conversations. But some of us take our stuff. We're like, I like the way it looks. I like it. I want it to be all, I like this. This reminds me of the time we went to here. And this reminds me of the time we went here. When in actuality, this is, it's not functional. It's not working for us. It can't, it can't do what it is. And we need to be restored. And others of us, we, we take it and we bring our stuff to Jesus. We're like, okay, can you fix this? Thanks. 
All right, we walk away. I'm like, oh, I got a nick in the paint. God, can you fix this? I need another. I like it when it's real shiny, right? And then we go away and we come back. God, I need you to fix this. But we don't ever live it out. We never take it to the next step. We just keep on bringing back to God and asking for another coat of polyurethane or whatever. We just keep on coming back and saying, God, can you, can you fix the same stuff without living out a restored kind of life? Restoration requires changing how we're living, living out of restoration. This is what Feed My Sheep was all about. Peter comes to Jesus looking for validation, looking for restoration. He really wants Jesus to say, Peter, I forgive you. Jesus doesn't say those words, does he? He says, feed my sheep. He redirects the question. Instead of just, I'll make it about you. He's like, no, 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 no. Go from here and do something bigger. Instead of letting Peter sit in his fear and his disappointment and his depression, he gives him a mission. And if we're going to live restored lives, we have to flip our lives from soaking in and being all about ourselves to living on mission to feed my sheep. This is beautiful how, how Jesus is reshaping that. He's not going to let Peter sit where he's at, but he's going to call him to something bigger the very moment where Peter thinks he's invalid. He thinks he cannot be used ever again. He thinks it's all over, that he's just going to go back to being a fisherman for the rest of his days. Jesus steps into that and say, no, Peter, I've got a bigger story to tell. I've got something greater for you. And guess what? No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how messed up your story is, Jesus is saying to you, I've got a bigger story to tell in you. Restoration requires living renewed. What it comes down to is the answer to the question. Do you love me? And this point and this this premise that that Jesus is driving home is the same question we've got to answer today is, do you love me? When we deal with Jesus, when when we think about him, when we think about how we're going to live a restored life? How do we get our usefulness back? How do we step into what God has for us? We have to answer the question, do you love him? And how you answer that question dictates how you'll be restored. Let's watch this rest of the video. And how you answer that question is what sets off your new life in him. So today, think about the stuff you've done. Today, you get to leave it. You get to toss it in the fire. You get to drop it here because Christ is promising you a new life, a restored life, a life with value, a life with purpose. And all he asks of you is, do you love me? Today can be the day that you can live a restored life. It is open and available to you. I think so often we've been trying to do it by ourselves, but trying to be restored apart from God is like asking a 57 Chevy to change its own transmission. It doesn't happen. It happens through 
Christ. Today can be that day where we leave our issues, our stuff, our, our selfishness, our gossip, our anger, even our bigger issues, our, our abuse, our scars. We leave them at Christ's feet and he restores us. Pray with me. God, we ask you to restore us. We have done all kinds of things. We've grown apart from you. Maybe we've intentionally ran from you. God, we know this. We want more out of life. We want more out of these years you've given us, out of these moments that you've given us. God, will you restore us to our full potential so that we can live out our purpose in you. Today we answer the question, yes, Lord, we love you. And will you do a work in us? Will you show your glory through our lives? In Jesus' name I pray, amen.